All right, sweet. So we're going to get into the study today. We're going to get, instead of John 10, we're going to be in John 15 today, uh, continuing our series uh, called To the End, uh, a series through this upper room from John 13 all the way to John 17. And we're working our way through it. We're already in chapter 15, about halfway through, um, and we'll be in verses 9 through 17. The title of the message is Joy, Love, and Obedience, because those are the three main things uh, that we're going to be talking about today, all right? Have you guys ever experienced something that you were so convinced of uh, that, that you were right? Have you ever experienced being, you were so convinced that you were right of something, only fi- to find out you were completely wrong? Maybe you even had, you know, your, your three points that you argue, this is why I'm right in this situation, and then you realize there was evidence that you were completely wrong. Like, for example, maybe some of you thought the Angels were better than the Dodgers until you've been witnessing the games this weekend, and then you're like, oh, okay, got it. It's not that way. Dodgers are better than the Angels. Uh, or like, uh, for example, this happens to movie stars a lot, where they'll be in a coffee shop, probably not now because you can't go inside coffee shops, things like that, but in a restaurant and whatnot, and people will come up to them and be like, oh my gosh, you're that guy in this show. And they're like, no, that, that's actually not me. And they're like, no, 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 it's you. And the movie star is like, no, I mean, I'm in a lot of other things, but, but not that show. And, and maybe for you guys, there's some things in life where you're so convinced this is how it is, this is the right way, uh, except sometimes we, we realize that, that we're wrong on things. Well, there's a, in, in life, whether people would come out and say it, uh, people think that this is generally accepted. Now, it might not be said, but it's demonstrated in actions that if we just focus on ourselves, we look after numero uno, ourselves, then we're going to be successful and we're going to be able to find uh, contentment and fulfillment and satisfaction. Now, even people might say, no, it's, it's all about others. But then the decisions they make, uh, they're making decisions based upon what's gonna, what they think is going to satisfy them, right? Everyone in life ha- has that view of, okay, I want to go after the thing that's going to make me satisfied. Now, a lot of people do it the wrong way. They go down the wrong path. And we know for God's way and the the way that is actually going to happen to give us satisfaction, Jesus tells us that we will find our life when we are willing to lose it. And it's a completely upside down way of thinking. Because for you and I, our natural inclination, which makes sense because we're our own person, so we just think about ourselves, but we think at times in life that, okay, if I just have this thing, okay, once I get my license to drive, then I'm going to be satisfied. Okay, once I get that nice new car, once I get into that, you know, on that sports team and, and make that certain string or whatever it might be, once I get this or get that, and, and, and we think, okay, that, then I'm going to be good. Yet, when we get those things, we're still, we, we're still lacking. We still want more. You know, it's interesting when you look at people who, who have a lot of money. I remember there was a guy um, who, who's coming back a little bit. Uh, don't look him up, but his name's uh, Dave Chappelle. Super successful comedian. Um, and he's, he's very dirty, so literally don't, don't, don't look him up. Uh, not, not a good good guy in that way, but very successful in the world's eyes. However, he dropped off the face of the planet for just out of nowhere. He was climbing, climbing, becoming more successful, more successful. Uh, and this happened about, I think, 10 years ago. And all of a sudden, it was like he was gone. Like, who's someone, who's someone big and famous right now? I don't know. I can't think of anyone. But imagine that person that you've been looking to, and they've been getting more light, more light, more famous. And imagine if they just disappeared. Now, it's not like, okay, they need a missing file report, uh, filing a missing person's report, but he just went blank, and, and, and he went out of the limelight, and then they, they, they finally got an interview years later, and they, and they found him, and they asked him, like, why'd you do that? You had it all. You had all the money. You had everything you ever wanted. You had what everyone else looks like they would want. You had it. Why'd you leave? And he said the, the more famous he got, the more money he made, the more things he had, the less satisfied he became. Because we think things are going to satisfy us, but what I want to show you today, uh, the big idea for today is this. 
that lasting and fulfilling joy is found only as we continue in his love by obeying his command to love one another. That it is as we focus on him and what he has asked us to do, which is to love one another, that is the supreme command that we truly find lasting and fulfilling joy. Now, the things of life that people seek to fill their life with, uh, you can admit, it, they are fun, but only for a season. There are the, the things of this world that may be fun and good and nice can only satisfy the human soul for a time. That's why people want more. But if you can focus and stay connected to the Lord, well you will find the lasting, fulfilling joy he desires to give. So we're going to get into now John 15, verses 9 through 17. And this is a continuation of thought of what we looked at last week. If you guys were with us last week, we looked at how uh, Jesus talked about an illustration about how he is the, the vine and we are the branches and we need to be connected to him. Do you guys remember that message? It was just last week. And, and how apart from him, we can do nothing uh, but by him, God is going to produce good things in our life. That's that word fruit, that we're going to be fruit bearers for the kingdom, glorifying God. Well, now he, he, he just kind of goes into that thought further here in verse 9. You guys have your Bibles open today? Yes? Okay, look at verse 9 with me, and we're going to read down to verse 17. The Bible says this, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my Love, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. God, we believe this is your word. We believe you, you want to speak to us uh, this afternoon, that you have things and, 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 Lord, good things that you want to work into our lives. Lord, we confess, even as Pastor Josh shared, that, that, that we are not where we ought to be, where we want to be. Lord, yet we know that you are patient with us. We know your grace and mercy is new every morning. And so, Lord, we pray that through this message, through your word, that you would, Lord, impart to us, that you would give us whatever you would desire us to have today, that we might be close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said? Amen. Amen. So, we're not going to look at every single detail of this section of scripture. Uh, by no means is this a Bible class. However, we are doing Bible study. And so there's a handful of things I want to point out to you uh, for your benefit and for your learning. Sound good? Well, the first thing I want to point out to you is verse 11. And in verse 11, we find Jesus talking about his joy. Not when I say my joy, that's not like Joel's joy, it's Jesus's joy, all right? And we find that in verse 11. Now, verse 11, I'm gonna read it again and listen to it very carefully, all right? I actually want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes and then listen to this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. You can open your eyes. Now, he said, these things I have spoken to you. What do you think these things are? It's not a trick question. It's this. Do you see my Bible? What color do you see? On both pages? That's a lot of, that's a lot of red. What's the red there for? Jesus has been talking. 
Remember, this series that we're going through is one continuous time that Jesus is talking, encouraging, preparing the disciples, because where is Jesus going? But where does he have to go first? He's going to the cross. He's leaving them. He will die. He will rise again. And eventually, he will ascend into heaven. And so Jesus is saying these things. Well, we looked at last week. And then a few weeks before that, and the week before that, and what we're going to look at today, he says, the purpose, what I want for you, the intention, the reason is for you to have joy. Now, whenever you see those kinds of verses in the Bible, because I hope that you read the Bible on your own, that is my prayer for you, that you would pursue God and his word on your own, because I'm telling you. If this is the only Bible you get when you come to church that's given to you, which is, which is good. We all need to be fed. We need people in our lives. That's why I get to go to first service and I get Pastor Jack to feed me and my soul and, 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 and that's awesome. But if this is the only time that you receive God's word, then you will not grow as you should. You will have, you will have stunted Christian growth. You will be further back than you should be. However, if you pursue the, the Lord in his word, God will be able to do what he wants to do in your life. And when on your own that you read the Bible, it's not often, but sometimes there is, that you come across verses like verse 11. And verse 11 is a verse that shows the reason why he's speaking. Do you guys ever read the Bible and then you read a portion of it and you're like, I just don't get the point of it. Do you guys ever experience that? I know I do. And so for me, in studying this, I'm like, man, what's the point of all this? And then I read verse 11, and Jesus, to me, is like, hey, these things I have spoken to you because that, for the reason, for the purpose, the intention. Does that make sense? And what is it? It's that it is about his joy. And he says, he says I've been speaking to you. I've been talking to you about being connected to the vine what I'm about to say here is so that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. You see, Jesus's desire for the disciples and for us today is J-O-Y. It is that you would have the joy of Jesus in your life. Christianity should not be something that is only serious, somber, and studious. God wants us, his people, to be filled with the joy of the Lord. And that is not just an emotional thing, although it is an exciting thing. And I want to share with you guys today that Jesus wants you to have his joy. Jesus wants you to have something today. Now it's up to you whether you're going to be in a position to receive it. God is always giving his joy. It's always there. There's never a lack. It's not like, oh man, yeah, yesterday I went to God and I was doing what he told me to be in a position to receive his joy. And he said he was out. The tank, the tank kind of ran low and he said to come back next week. No, God's joy is available for you today. Do you guys hear me? Now, there's two principles, there's two things that he talks about his joy, though. If you look at verse 11, he says that my joy may remain, and that's the first aspect, that his joy is remaining, meaning that is that same word that we looked at last week when Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. It's that same word. It's abiding joy. The idea is that this is joy in your life that continues. You see, the joy that Jesus desired for the disciples to have in their lives was not one that would last for a day, was not a joy that would last for a week, was not a joy that would last for a month, and it was not a joy that would last for a year, that he wanted them to have a lifetime of joy because Jesus is leaving and he knows that they are going to need his joy for the things that they are going to encounter ahead. And guys, this is the difference between joy and happiness. This is the difference. Where joy is something that is God-given and you can find it no other place. There's no mountain that you can go to or climb eagle egg that you can find and eat, not your Libre reference. There's nothing that you can do except what we're going to talk about today, 
but it's the difference between joy and happiness. You know what happiness is? It's not lasting. It doesn't stick around and it's not for a lifetime. Happiness always is based upon what happens. You guys hear me? Super easy to remember what happiness is. It is based upon what happens. Meaning maybe for you guys, maybe some of you went to the beach yesterday. Anyone go to the beach? Raise your hand. Yeah. Oh, wow. Good amount of you. It was a good day to go to the beach. It was hot, right? And especially Kevin, he probably wished he was at the beach because of no air conditioning. However, you know, happiness is based upon what happens where, okay, if you went to the beach and you got there and you, you know, it was, it was a great time. Waves are nice, pretty outside. You got home. Okay. That was a good day. And now I'm happy. But then if you were on your way to the beach and then your car broke down and you had to wait outside for three hours for a tow truck to come with no air conditioning, that would then be an unhappy day, right? Because happiness is based upon what happens. But joy is something that God gives the believer. Uh, and and it's, not, it's not this weird fake thing, but it is something that God gives independent of circumstance. All right. Uh, Alan Redpath, he's a Bible uh, commentator, an old time pastor. And he says this, joy is based on forgiveness, dependent upon obedience and independent of circumstance. And really this is what we're going to look at today. That without forgiveness of sins, joy is not possible. It comes from God, but uh, first there has to be a relationship with God. It's dependent upon obedience, meaning if you're not in an obedient relationship with God, you're just kind of living how you want and not how God wants, you're not going to be in a position to receive it. And it is independent of circumstance, meaning that it could be a bad day, but for the believer, it's still a good one. Non-believers can't say that. If they had a bad day, they had a bad day. But for you and I, even when there are difficult and trying and hard circumstances in our life, God says, I want to give you something that will keep you steady, that will keep you stable, that you can still have gladness in the midst of difficulty. This is joy. You see, the world is in a pursuit of happiness, but can never seem to attain it for very long. It's been said before that happiness is an experience of emotions, but joy is an experience of the spirit. Do you see the difference? One is based upon emotion. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I can be an emotional person. You know, I like to think of myself as pretty cool, calm, steady, uh, but at times I'm pretty emotional. Um... And I'm sure you guys experience that where you can have like, you can be like super good for one half of the day and then like super just like down the rest of the day. That, their emotions are like a roller coaster. I mean, sometimes we can just, right? I, I hope you guys, uh, I hope I'm not alone in this. I don't, I don't hope that this happens to you guys, but sometimes you wake up and you're just like, you're just feeling down that day. And there's other days where you wake up and you're like, oh man, today's a great day. Why? I don't know. It's just a great day. You see, emotions are like a roller coaster. But God doesn't want, those are going to come. But what God wants us to have in the midst of the roller coaster is his joy. And it's something that is remaining more than a one-time experience, but a lifetime. Now, guys, don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean you're super weird. All right. Some Christians, they get too weird where, where something bad happens. And they're like, praise the Lord, you know. You know, this, this is a great day. Now, you can be honest with yourself of like, man, this is a bummer that my, my tire's flat and I have to sit out here for three hours, but I still have joy. I still have, I, I know that, hey, you know, joy is something that is able to come into our life and say, okay, you know what, God, I thank you that I even have a car. I thank you that I have, I, I have a, a home with air conditioning that I'll eventually get to, right? Or whatever it might be. But joy, God's joy is when he gives it to us, it's able to surpass the emotions uh, that are like a roller coaster. The second thing is that it is joy that's a fullness of joy, a fullness of joy. It's remaining joy. But notice verse 11, he also says, he says that your joy may be full. You see, Jesus desired that their joy would be full. It's to, to be abundant and abounding. Overflowing is the idea. To have as much as possible. It's literally the picture 
of a cup that is overflowing. You guys ever gone to a soda fountain before to get a drink? Um, Those are probably going to be banned after this COVID stuff. But nonetheless, right? Have you ever gone and and you feel like so full, it's like to the brim, and you're like trying to go back to your seat, and you're like, you know, and then it's like spilling all over the side of your hands. Okay, that's that's the picture. That's the idea. I remember one time I shared with Second Service that one time I, I, I was at a soda fountain and I, and I clicked it, like, you know, and it, and it starts coming out. And then that little lever, it just got stuck. And it was just there and it's just flowing. And, it, you know, my, my cup's gone and it's still going. I'm like, what, do I put my cup back? What, what do I do? I, you know, it's a very freaky moment. But that's the idea where the, it's overflowing. If you look, at your, look in your Bibles, look at verse 11. When it says that your joy would be full, that's what God wants. You see, joy is something a little bit difficult for me to describe. But I believe joy is the thing that everyone longs for, but few have. Where it's the idea of that you're good. Yeah, this is hard. Yeah, it's really hot outside. Yeah, my car's broken down. Yeah, this is happening, but I'm good. That I'm, I'm satisfied. My satisfaction, you know what it means to be satisfied, right? You guys know what this means, right? To be satisfied is when you were at the beach yesterday and you were so hot because Huntington is so long to get to the, the sidewalk to the ocean. Hopefully you went to Laguna, a lot less, lot less there. And so by the time you get there, your feet are burning. You're like, oh my gosh. And then you dive into the water and there's that moment that you experience satisfaction. You're like, oh, you, you come up from the water and you're like, this feels so good. And in that moment, you have what God wants to give you in every area of life. You can have that. I'm not saying like, okay, you're going to be, you know, you're never going to get hot again. But the idea is that you're, you're fulfilled. You don't need anything else, right? That's what it means to be satisfied. You ever been, have you ever eaten so much where you're just satisfied and you're like, I could never even think about food again? It's, you don't, it, it is filled to the brim. God says, I want to give you that, not with things of the world, but with something that is dependent upon me. You see, Jesus says this in John 10.10, very easy verse to remember and one you'll want to commit to memory. I like verses that are like 10.10 because then I can remember. John 10.10 says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. The idea of abundantly is a surplus, surplus, exactly what we're talking about. But the abundant life that Jesus is talking about doesn't mean that all of your physical desires will be satisfied. You see, the abundant life that Jesus has promised through his joy is something out of this world. It is something that even if you have nothing in this life and that the world would look on and say, poor you, that because you have the joy of Jesus, you are richer than the richest man on earth. You see, someone, whoever the richest person is in the earth is right now, I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's Jeff Bezos, Amazon, or who. Um, right, that's, that's Amazon, right? Jeff. If he doesn't have Jesus, he does not have fulfillment. He experiences what you experienced at the beach yesterday when you did in the water, a moment of, oh, I'm satisfied. But then, but then right uh, the current starts happening and then you get stung by a stingray and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, now, now that's over. That was a moment. See, but God says, I want to give you something that's not based upon what you're going to experience here. It's his joy. Isn't this awesome? It's a fullness of joy. Jesus would go on in John 17, 13 to pray for the disciples. We're not there yet. We'll end on chapter 17 in our series a few weeks from now. In John 17, if you look in your Bibles, like you can just turn one page, and it talks, and and that whole chapter is Jesus' prayer about the disciples to the Father. And the disciples get this this moment where they get to see Jesus pray. And one of the things that Jesus prays for 
in John 17, 13, he says, but now I come to you. He's in prayer. And he says, in these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He wanted them to have his joy fulfilled in them. But why would God care about this? Well, number one, because he cares about us. He wants us, to, he wants that to be found in him, not in other things, because he knows he created us, right? You know that? You know God created you? And so guess what? God knows how you work. God knows what you want. And you think it's things. And I'm not just saying, okay, things, but you think it's like, okay, it's just our natural, me too, I'm myself included. I think, okay, once I get this, then I'll be good. Once this happens in life, then I'll be good. No, you'll always keep wanting. It doesn't end. The Bible says that man's eye never is satisfied. But in Jesus, with his joy, he says, I can satisfy you. But the other thing, he knows that how critical this is to living the Christian life. You will not be successful in your walk with God unless you put yourself in a position to receive this joy. Why? Well, in the Old Testament, we find out a very important truth. And it's the fact that the joy of the Lord is the believer's strength. Do you know what strength means? It means the ability to endure, right? If you have strength and say you're, you're strong in running, you have the ability to run longer, farther than someone who is weaker. And God says, I want to give you joy because Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, Jesus knew that it would be his joy in their life, the ability to be okay, to be good, even when things are difficult. Because guess what? For the disciples, things were gonna get difficult. Have you guys ever read the book of Acts? Things are difficult. Things aren't easy. Their own family, their own people, the Jewish nation begin hating them because they represent Jesus. The Christians there that start in Jerusalem then are scattered by persecution all throughout the world. God does big things Eventually, every disciple in church history is recorded to have died, not just by natural causes, they had a heart attack, died for their faith. You see, Jesus knew that for them to finish the mission that he had commissioned them to do, they were going to need his joy. Everyone look at me. You need it. You need his joy because it will be strength to you. It'll be strength to you. But how do we get it? Well, uh, as we continue on, I want to give you two paths that Jesus talks about here to receive his joy. Now, as of now, we've only looked at verse 11, but that's been the one that was so on my heart that I wanted to get it out to you guys because I think that's what, I think God wants you to get this. So that's a very long introduction uh, in verse 11. But now I want to just summarize. We're not going to look at all these verses. I want to summarize and give you two paths for you to be in a position to receive that kind of joy. All right, does that make sense? Now, these paths, they really do intertwine and interconnect, uh, meaning they're, they're kind of like, uh, they're, they're connected, okay? It, it'll, it'll make sense. I was gonna come up with an illustration, but I don't think it'll be helpful. The first one is this. It is to stay in his love. It is to stay in his love. If you look at verse nine, Jesus says, as the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. This is part of what verse 11 says is these things. Verse nine is part of that. That as the father has loved me, Jesus says, I have loved you, speaking to his disciples. And he says, therefore, abide in my love. And that's that same word that we looked at last week, being connected to his love, to continue in his love, to remain in his love. John 13 verse one is the very first verse in our series that we looked at a handful of weeks ago. And John 13, one, Jesus said this, and this is where we get our series title to the end. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The idea is that it's a perfect and complete love, that he's gonna love you all the way to the end. As, as much as Jesus 
can give, he has given to his disciples. And if you are his disciple, then you are included in that. Not just the 11 that are, that are mentioned here. Even Judas actually is mentioned in that. A.W. Pink says this, a Bible commentator. He says, Christ's love to us is unaffected by our changeableness. Meaning we change, right? We are talked about. We're like a roller coaster sometimes. But our enjoyment of his love depends upon our continuance in it. You see, you might know God loves you. You might have experienced that at one time and known that. But if you want to experience the enjoyment, there's got to be a continuation. Guys, there is no better place to be than in the love of God. Jude 21 tells us this. Jude 21 tells us to keep yourselves in the love of God. What does that mean? To keep, it means to maintain and to continue on. Guys, what this is not is this like lovey-dovey, touchy-feely type of love. Now, this, when, when I say to stay in the love of God, it might include emotion. And that's awesome. God has given us emotion. It's not a bad thing. We just can't make decisions based upon them, right? And we need something to, to be able to surpass that. But like, for example, in, in, in my relationship with God, there's moments of worship, even like today, when, uh, you know, we're going to close with a song, um, and it, I, I, I hope Pastor Josh closes with it. Uh, but there's a line in this song that, that hopefully he sings that's, you know, uh, there's nothing better than you. And for me in that moment, sometimes in worship, uh, their, their emotion comes with it. And I'm like, God, I, I love you. There's nothing better than you. But it doesn't mean I, I, I'm not in the love of God or, I, or, I'm not, or God doesn't love me when I don't feel the emotion. Do you guys see the separation? You see, every declaration of love, it better have a display of love to back it up or the declaration is without meaning. Meaning if I say I love you, I better show that. Or if I, say you, if I see you today and I'm like, hey, I, I, I love you, love that you are here today. Um, if you need anything, let me know. A lot of you hear me say that to you because I really mean it. But also then if, imagine if I saw you uh, later on, you went to, uh, you know, you, we were at In-N-Out and you were getting a hamburger, and, and then you're, you came up to me like, oh, hey, Joel, like, hey, yeah, we met today, third service. And then I'm like, get away, kid. And I was like, and I, and I you know, order in and out. He was like, oh, he, at church he said he loved me, but he didn't show it, right? A display has to go with the declaration. And for you, think about it. Everyone look at me. You might say you love God. I would think most of you would say that in this room. Think about your life just in the last week. What displays of love have you shown that shows that that declaration has meaning behind it? Just think about it. That's a very convicting thing, even for myself. Okay, God, have I shown that to you? How do we show that to him? How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? Well, he doesn't end. Look at verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So Jesus is the example. And the way that you do that, the display happens by obedience to him, doing what he's asked us to do. And so now think about that question again. And this last week, have you done what God has asked you to do? Not perfectly. He doesn't expect perfection, but have you pursued obedience in your life? That is how you abide in his love. That is the path to the life of lasting and remaining fulfillment of joy in your life. It is by obedience to his word. It is by obedience to what he has asked us to do. You know, let's say, let's say, uh, you know, there's a time when, uh, you know, you were with your mom and, you know, maybe she just made you like your favorite lunch. And so afterward, you're like, Mom, I, I love you. Like, I really am I'm appreciative of, of everything you do for me. And Mom, I just, I, I love you a lot. And I just want you to know that. I'm just like, oh, that's so sweet. You know, oh, let me make you something else. And then imagine 10 minutes later, you go out and you're, you know, out by the pool. Or you're playing video games. You're reading a book. And she's like, hey, uh, hey, do you think you could take out the trash for me? And you're like, forget you, Mom. Get lost. Can you imagine? It'd be like, wait, but you just said, do you, you see how those things don't connect? 
But how often does our declarations toward God not meet, not meet our display in life? And Jesus said, if you want to stay in my love, if this first road, this first path to experiencing the joy and fulfillment that I want for you, it's doing what I say. You see, his commands, what the Bible asks us to do, the things that he asks us to do and the things that he asks us not to do, they are for you. It's because, remember how I, I said that he created you and so he knows you and so he knows what's best for you? In the moment, sometimes it seems like, well, God, maybe in that moment that you want to do something, but you know God's word says different or, or you don't want to do something, but you know God says to do something. It seems like that's not going to, that's going to be horrible. That's going to be terrible. That's going to be awkward and uncomfortable. But God says, I know what you need. And when you do what I say, it's not because God's like, you do what I say. God says, I, I have such a good plan for you. I want the most, I want you to have a fulfilled life, satisfied, contented in me. First John chapter three, verse, oh, no, that's John 21. There you go. First John three twenty four says this. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Notice the connection between abiding in his love and obeying him, keeping his commandments. Do you guys know the story in John chapter 21 when Peter and Jesus are reconciled back together? You know how Peter uh, denied him three times? right? The rooster crowed. He denied him, you know, said, I don't, I don't know him. He's being, he's being, uh, you know, Jesus is being dealt with by the religious authorities being questioned. And Peter's like, no, I don't know him. And then there's that moment where Jesus and Peter lock eyes when Jesus is being uh, un unfairly treated and judged and all that stuff, right? Well, in John 21, it's G Jesus is already resurrected and Peter is out on the boat with other disciples. They're like, I don't know where Jesus is. We're just going to be fishing. And then, and then they see a man on shore, uh, and, a, and a few verses later, they realize, oh, it's Jesus. And Peter realizes, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. So Peter even, it's really weird, but he says he puts on his coat and then jumps into the sea, goes to shore, and he's like, Jesus. And they begin to sit down. Jesus makes them some fish. You should go read the story. It's very awesome. John 21. But then there's this interaction between Peter and Jesus. And Jesus asks Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? Are you guys familiar with the story? Yeah. And what's Peter's response? He says, you, yeah, of course, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus says, feed my sheep. And then he asks him again, right, do you love me? And then Peter says, yeah, of course. And, and, then, and then Jesus says, well, tend to my lambs. And there's this connection, notice, don't miss it. Notice the connection that Jesus makes with loving him, staying in his love, is completely related to obeying what he's asked him to do. So Jesus, it, Peter, if you're gonna say you love me, then you need to do what I've called you and asked you to do, to feed my sheep. And Peter would go on, and he would do that. He'd be a very pivotal part in, in bringing and in, in feeding God's people. You see, Something that's not compatible is saying, I'm a Christian, but, but I live how I want. Those things don't go together. That someone who loves God and is pursuing him and staying in his love is going to do what he says. You see, out of obedience, we remain in his love. The idea of remaining in his love is that we're in a position to receive God's love from us. And he wants to give it. And he wants to give his joy he wants us to be fulfilled, but sometimes we make decisions that push us away from the Lord, and so we don't have that, and so we're unfulfilled, but it is only found in Jesus. Jesus continues that line of thought in verses 14 and 15 when he calls them friends. Look at, look at your Bibles. You still open to John 15? Yes? Let me hear from you guys. You guys still in John 15? Okay, look at verse 14. He says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. That's kind of funny. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You see, this is a very special connection that Jesus makes. He no longer just calls them servants. 
not just you work for me, but that we're friends. What's a friend? Yeah, someone that you can trust, someone that you confide in. Well, Jesus is saying to the disciples, look, I don't just look at you like you work for me. I, I look at you as someone closer than that. I've shared things with you. I've, I've talked to you about God the Father and what the kingdom of heaven is like. I've talked to you about things that I haven't talked to other people about. I've revealed things to you. And he says, and notice verse 14, it says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. It's kind of funny, isn't it? I've always read that. I'm like, friends, if I do whatever. Like imagine going up to someone after service and you're like, hey, uh, I want to be your best friend, but as long as you just do everything I say. You're like, oh, well, that's, this is weird, right? But why can Jesus say that? Because he, he considers them friend, his friend, but he is still their master. He is still their teacher. That, that there's this idea of, okay, Jesus, yes, he, he is sharing with them and, 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 and has a close connection, but he is still Lord. But the Bible tells us that, that Jesus considers you and I co-laborers and co-heirs. It, it's not that we're equal with Jesus, that, okay, you know, we're just his friend, and so we're just equal with him. But the idea is that he wants to work with us for the same goal and that, that we even get all the benefits that he has. And guys, as we obey him, as we abide in his love, there is no greater place to be. You will find no greater joy outside of Jesus. And some of you, you will try. I have tried and it just, it, it doesn't work out. It is only found in the Lord. And so the first path to the lasting and fulfilling joy of Jesus is to stay in his love by obeying what he says. The second path is to do that very thing that he's commanded us. You might say, okay, well, what does Jesus want from me? Well, there is an overarching command. It's a kind of a principle command that goes into everything else he's asked for us. And it's this. Oh, not that. There you go. It's to love one another more than ourselves. He, he, dis, he showed that in chapter 13 when he washed their feet and then, and then commanded them, love one another. He then reiterated it later in chapter 13. He talks about it in chapter 14. And then right here, he talks about it in chapter 15 when he says, in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Then verse 17, these things I command you that you love one another. Do you guys see the connection? Whoops. Do you guys see the connection? That it is obedience, love, joy. That it's not as we focus on ourselves and try to fulfill, okay, wh what do I want? It's that as we do what God says, which is not to focus on ourselves, that that joy comes. It's an awesome thing. You see, talking about Jesus' commandments, this is the one that is all-encompassing. And notice what kind of love he says that we're to love one another with. And, and first, he's talking about the disciples to one another, the, the 11 disciples that he's speaking to. He says, love one another. That's my command. It starts there, and then eventually, of course, works outward. But verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. It's a sacrificial love. That the greatest display of love is when you give your life for someone. And of course, we know that Jesus will go on and do this for the disciples as the ultimate example. And you might say, oh, I would give my life for anyone. What about living your life for someone? Sometimes it's, it's an easier thing to say, oh, I would totally die for that person but then not be willing to live for them. In a sense, love them, that not, not living for yourself. You see, Jesus describes that kind of love, and it's, it's one that is displayed by sacrifice. And Jesus says that when we live like this, when we love one another more than ourselves, that that is the road to his joy. That is the road to his fulfillment and satisfaction that he wants to give us. Philippians chapter two, verse, whoops, 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. This is hard to do. Am I right? This is a difficult thing to do, that let nothing be done through selfish ambition for self or conceit. Lowliness of mind, let each esteem. It means to look at someone else and say, they're better than me. How can I serve them? How can I love them? Not just looking out for our own interests, what we need, what we want, but also for the interests of others. It seems backwards. It seems like, okay, no, when you focus on yourself, that's when you're going to well, that's when you're going to be satisfying, but it's just not so. It's, it's the opposite. That's why so often Jesus says things like in Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, he says, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his late life for my sake will find. This is exactly what we started with. He says this over and over again, Matthew chapter 20, verse 16. So the last will be first and the first last, and we can't miss it. This is not a new concept for the disciples. This wasn't something that Jesus had never talked about. This is, this is Jesus' teaching. But the question for you today is, are you living it? Are you living it? Mark 9, 35, again, he says this. He says, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. That if we, if we want to be satisfied, if we want fulfillment, it's found in being last. It's found in being a servant of all. But this is the opposite of what, what you might think, what, what your natural inclination is, because you're sinful and sin is selfish by nature. And so we are selfish people. And Jesus knew for the disciples that they were selfish. And he knew that if they didn't obey this command, that, that things weren't going to go too well because Jesus was leaving, right? That's the whole thing of this whole series. Jesus is leaving and he knows things are going to get pretty difficult for them. Next week, we're going to see this, the, third, the third part of John 15 is about how he warns the disciples that the world is going to hate them that there's going to be trials. John 16, he says, there will be trials and tribulation in your life, hard, difficult things. And he knew that if they didn't, weren't obeying this command, that the 11 would just go their own way, that the church would not get started as it should, and things would be very different. But when we do this, when we are obeying what God has asked of us, which means we're abiding in his love, loving other people more than ourselves, then God is able to give us what we so desire. Um, it might be cheesy, but it's good. This is joy, guys. You might have heard this before. I know I certainly have, but it's Jesus, others, yourself. But your, your tendency, what you are gonna fight with for the rest of your life, what I fight with every day is, is trying to put the Y above the J. And then even, okay, we might watch one, well, no, we'll just put it right under, the, right under the J. But you get some weird words I don't even know how to pronounce when you do that. Exactly. But when we put ourselves last, that's when God is able to give us what we want, what we need. And it's an awesome thing. Remember, that, remember the big idea that we started with, that lasting and fulfilling joy is found only as we continue on by obeying his command to love one another. Easy to say, I love you, a lot harder to live it. And so I want to encourage you guys, as you, as you leave, in a moment, I'm sure Pastor Jack is going to go a little bit long, which means as our custom, we're going to keep you in a little bit longer before we let you go, uh, because it's really hot outside, so we don't want you to die of thirst, all right? And you're going to have a choice in a moment, even right now, to do what we talked about today. You see, loving others more than yourself, what is that going to look like in a moment? What it's not going to look like is you going into a corner, which will be easier, and going on your phone. It'll look like finding, okay, is there anyone sitting by themselves? Oh, is there someone I can talk to? God, would you lead me to talk to someone? Is there anyone I can pray for? Is there anyone I can encourage? Is there anyone I can 
whatever it might be. And that's a harder thing to do. And some of you won't do it. But that is the first step. It's, it's not, okay, I, you know, I don't think about myself at all. I'm just not even gonna do my hair or brush my teeth. It's like, no, take care of yourself, okay? Uh, there's, there's certain things that you, of course, that, that involve self. But if you can just start taking little steps of how you can fulfill what God's asked you to do, to love one another more than yourself, then God's gonna do his thing in you. It's gonna be awesome. Let's pray. God, we love you and Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. That we thank you that, that you are that ultimate person who, who, who doesn't just say I love you, but that you have come and that you've demonstrated that, Lord, on the cross for us. Lord, we, we truly want to stay in your love today. We want your joy that is remaining, that's full. Lord, we know that you want us to, to live that abundant life. Lord, yet we can become so distracted. Lord, our, our, our selfish sin just so easily takes over. Lord, we pray right now that as we just focus on you, that as we con are connected to you, that you would work in us. Lord, we know that the fruit of the, a fruit of the Spirit is joy. This is not something that we're going to be able to, to muster up and just Say, I'm going to have joy today. Lord, it's something that, that you have to do in us. And so, Lord, help us to obey your command. Help us to take those baby steps and loving others. Lord, challenge us today and then help us to live it out. We love you and for all this in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can stand and can we sing uh, the, the graves into gardens? I know it might be different than you were expecting. Such a good song. Guys, good. we're going to sing a song in a moment. Everyone stand. We're still in an attitude of worship. And the chorus goes like this. There is nothing better than you. And so I want you to close your eyes. I want you to sing it out. And I say close your eyes because it just helps you focus. It's so distracting. You know, Pastor Josh has a very nice guitar, but sometimes it can be a little shiny, right? And you get so caught up just looking at other things that you miss the time that you can connect with Jesus. And so close your eyes, sing it out to him, tell him it's good to declare your love to God. But then when you leave today, you go and you display that love for him. You demonstrate that, God, I'm, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do, all right? Let's worship.